Mitch Ferreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I do like the way the show's moving along, Trev. Good job. Like the way we move. Mitch and Steve here. Hour number two of Arizona Sports Saturday. Let's go out now to uh, Salt River Fields in Scottsdale and check in with our lead Diamondbacks writer for Arizona Sports, Alex Weiner. He's calling in now. Kind of us to join us here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Alex, how are you doing this morning? Hey, guys. What's up? Not much. Um, it was kind of nice that we got some nice breaking news today before we started today's show. Randall Gritchick, one-year, $2 million option, uh, mutual, I believe, for next year as well. What was your immediate reaction when you saw the news? Uh, that Mike, held, Mike Hazen held a pretty well-timed press conference yesterday and when he said uh, <laughs> that they were still interested in improving the roster. They were still looking, and um, they had to go ahead from ownership, and so... You know, a day goes by and we get the reports that Randall Gritchick is going to be a Diamondback. So this is a, a right-handed hitting outfielder who has extremely good splits against lefties, not so much against righties, but that's not what he's going to be asked to do anyway. So it gives them a little bit more depth and flexibility out in the outfield and as a potential DH option against left-handed pitching. What does it mean for Jake McCarthy, for Paven Smith, for some of these guys that are kind of on the bubble roster-wise and have been playing the outfield? What does it mean for some of them? Uh, there's one fewer spot. Uh, so, you know, we'll see as spring training progresses what they'll want to do as far as the roster construction. When you look at the outfield now, you have Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., you know, Jock Peterson uh, can play out there, and now Randall Gritchick. So would they carry six outfielders? What does that mean for their infield depth? So there's there's certainly a lot to figure out. But, yeah, it certainly, uh, it certainly squeezes it a little bit for guys who are kind of on the roster bubble. Going off of the uh, roster decisions that either need to be made or are soon to be made, Tori Lovello said yesterday, and you were one of the people to put the info out there, that Geraldo Perdomo is going to be the team's starting shortstop, and he's going to get a bulk of the load. Is it kind of nice knowing that this team, for at least on the onset, has most of the key positions set and ready to go before they've even taken the field for spring? Uh, certainly a luxury to have, yeah. I mean, you know, when you look at the depth this year compared to the last couple of years and, you know, some of the camp battles that we're going to see throughout, it's, it's a lot of it's on the margins. It's, you know, it, it was like who's going to be that fifth outfielder. Now we know who that is, and we'll see if they carry six or uh, if they go with more infield depth, who's going to be the backup shortstop, who's going to be the backup catcher. But it's it's not like who's going to be the cleanup hitter on this team, who's going to be starting in right field. We we, we know all those answers. So mm-hmm. um, they're they're in a better spot uh, than they have been um, even going into last year when they were able to, you know, get off to a great start and make the playoffs and, you know, go all the way to the World Series. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's different, but it's going to create some good competition on the bubble. And, uh, and I think that will, you know, you know, as the season goes on, you're going to need those guys. You know, it's not everyone's going to be healthy all 162. And so having that depth is going to be pretty valuable. Talking with Alex Weiner, Arizona Sports D-backs lead writer. Uh, with that said about the roster, is there anything left, in your opinion, for the D-backs to try to accomplish roster-wise? Do they need to add one more bullpen guy, another starter, a backup something or other? Is there anything left for them to spend any cash on this offseason? I mean, you can never have too much depth in the bullpen just with you know how bullpens go and the health and um, you know, now that Kevin Ginkle is dealing with 
uh, some, you know, an issue in his elbow? Do you, you know, want to go out and get somebody else just to have? But um, I think they have pretty decent depth there. I mean, you look at pretty much the entirety, not even pretty much, the entire bullpen from their postseason run is back. They have some young pitchers gunning for starting rotation spots, and whomever doesn't win them, maybe they get, you know, an opportunity in the bullpen. Um, they have some other young guys who could maybe take a step forward, like someone, you know, Justin Martinez, who was throwing a bullpen out here today. So, I, I, you know, certainly you can add to the depth uh, in certain spots, but, you know, they have some decent competition going for that fifth uh, starting uh, rotation spot and in the bullpen. So, you know, they want to see what they have there as well. A guy that probably has his spot secured is Eduardo Rodriguez, who was the big signing for the Diamondbacks this offseason. He's probably going to slot in at either, I would think, two or more likely three in the rotation. And everything that we've been seeing and reading out of camp is that he's done a really good job and a really aggressive job. Well, maybe aggressive is too strong, but he's really integrating with the guys well, and he's really trying to get himself involved with his new teammates. You're you've been there every day. Have you been seeing that up close and what has it been like? Yeah, yeah, you know, he's got, you know, a group around his his locker uh, you know, in the clubhouse and has been talking to guys and um, you know, yesterday, you know, playing catch, I saw him talking with Zach Allen for a little while and um yesterday he got to throw his, you know, live bullpen so he, he faced a few uh, Diamondbacks hitters and Merrill Kelly came up and watched him. So yeah, there's been there's been some decent rapport there. You know, he's a professional who's been here for a long or he's been in the league for a long time. And so you know, as you know, spring training gets going, I'm sure relationships will build. And he, he already has a relationship with you know Tori Lavello and Mike Hazen. But you know, it's he, he's sort of uh, he's one of the most experienced guys on the staff. And I'm sure a lot of younger guys can be able to pick his brain this week. Talk or, with our you know these months. Our D-backs insider, Alex Weiner. And Alex, before we let you go, and uh, I know Tori's speaking here relatively soon, who is the one under-the-radar guy that maybe you got to see in the first couple days of spring training or maybe you haven't seen yet? Who's that one under-the-radar guy you're looking forward to watching? Hmm. Good question. Well, we haven't seen full squads yet, and you know, 90% of the team has been here even before you know pitchers and catchers reported, but you know, seeing guys out and about and hitting on the field and all that kind of stuff, or seeing more of that in the next few weeks. But uh, as far as the pitching and seeing guys in the bullpen, um, somebody has stood out. It's a good question. Um, I mean, Christian Mayna uh, looked pretty good from what I saw in the bullpen. I know he's going to be somebody Diamondbacks fans will have their eyes on, given that they traded for him this offseason from the White Sox. He's 21 years old. He was already pitching in AAA last year. So he's somebody to watch for sure. Um, it's always fun watching Justin Martinez throw bullpens just with how electric his stuff is. Mm-hmm. Today was a little different because they, they brought out sort of a physical strike zone for him to to work with. And, <laughs> and you know, Tucker Bart was the trooper behind the plate uh, dealing with that. So um, that was fun to watch. But, yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's some young arms there. And it's, I'm curious, like, as the season goes on, who sort of rises above the pack. Alex Weiner, our lead Diamondbacks writer for us at Arizona Sports. We're going to be talking with you a bunch this season, Alex, I'm sure, as the National League champs look to defend. Thanks for taking a few minutes for us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's Alex Weiner, as I said before. Um, Coming up next, it is All-Star Weekend in the NBA, but are we really excited about it at all? If not, how can we fix it? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. And Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's NBA All Star Weekend. 
anybody care? Well, I know it sounds callous cash, when you say it that way. Cash kind of rules everything around them. I was get the uh, money, dollar dollar bills, yo. As a kid, I used to get up for the for the dunk contest, man. I could I could get super into that. The dunkers used to get up for the contest too. Uh, well, I think they still <laughs> do. It's just that I've never heard of half of them. I mean, I'm looking at the dunk but, contest, uh, the people in it today. Here's here's why you've never heard of half of them, Steve. Because they don't play in the NBA. They play in the G League. Okay, of J- the NBA. Jalen Brown. That's a good player. I wouldn't say a superstar. He but got that's a, a max contract this yeah, summer. Yeah, that's an all-star caliber player. I, yes. I'm good with that. Uh, I is can it, tell Trevor's raring to go, so is whatever it you got. Jaime Jaquez Jr.? Yes. Is that how you pronounce that? Jaime Jaquez. He's been good for the Heat, but that's not a star player. I didn't realize he was a dunker either. I, I don't know. I've never, I don't watch Heat games. <laughs> uh, Mac McClung. Matt? Matt? Mac? Mac? MAC. I don't I don't know. Does he even play basketball? Mac McClung, G League. He's in the G League? He's the defending champion. And he's of the in dunk the dunk contest. contest. And how's Man. NBA players letting the G League guy win a dunk contest? And then That's another good point. Jacob Toppin. Younger brother of Obi. That's not even Obi Toppin? We nope. didn't even get the best Toppin? Well, we didn't. We might oh have gotten the better Toppin because, you know, he's in the G League, so clearly he's better, right? My point simply is Or is he the better dunker? Uh, fair. That's fair. There once was a time. None. All these guys are great dunkers. I'm sure. Like they went out and got really good athletic guys. They, they much, always do. They are much better than you and I and Trev at playing the game of basketball. That no, much no is question. certain. We can't debate that one. The problem is the caliber of player and stardom is minuscule. It, it's. Yeah. I mean, like a couple of years ago. No offense to the guy, but Derek Jones Jr. was in this thing a couple of times. I loved him when he was a son, but let's be honest, he wasn't playing. He's not a good basketball player. He's not a star. He's flashy. Three of these four guys are not stars. And Jalen Brown, even, I'm, I'm I'm hesitant to put him in the star category, but he's a great player in the I league. Would put, I would put him there only because of the pedigree and the resume that sure. he's built. Multi-time all-star. He's an all-pro coming off of last year. And he was on a team that went all the way to the finals. I don't like, need, he was a big part of their team. I don't need all four of the participants to be LeBron, Giannis, uh, Jimmy Butler. Well, I don't Steve, know. I'm just naming people. Steve, you're overlooking the biggest point of this whole thing. This used to be an eight man contest. True. There's four now, and yeah. they're struggling so bad to fill it. They have to go to the G League. That see, that's the key. What you just said. Struggling to get guys to participate. This is an event that used to be a, a point of pride. Yeah, it was the event. Like when you think about Dominique Wilkins, not only was he a great dunker, he's a great basketball player. He's great. Athlete, great player. Michael Jordan did the dunk contest. But you still think of the dunk contest when you think of of Wilkins. Yeah. And Michael Jordan, I don't think of the dunk contest. That's probably not even the top like five things Michael Jordan accomplished. But he did. But he participated. He was a star. Because he wanted to win it. And he did it. You know, the last time that we had like a true superstar, and Trev, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. The last time I feel like we had a true superstar was Vince Carter in 2000. And he shut that dunk contest down. He it was the most electric dunk contest performance we've seen in a long time. And that that dunk contest had a lot of good dunkers in it too. Because McGrady was in it, Steve Francis was in it. Those are some yeah, really that was t- a good one. And like Francis, you think about like Spud Webb used to compete in the dunk contest a lot too. The undersized guys competing in the dunk contest, it's actually very very entertaining, and it gives me hope that one day I can jump like that. You know, because Francis was 5'7". But this event's kind of gone downhill. And there was a lot of talk, even back in the 90s, I want to say, that they basically 
have wondered, is this an event that's even worth it? Last and, and in 2000, Vince Carter saved the dunk contest. Last year, Mac McClung. It is Mac, by the way. It's not Matt. We uh, told you that. I know. Trey <laughs> Murphy the third, uh, Jericho Sims, and Kenyon Martin Jr. Are any of them good basketball players? Kenyon are they Martin still? Senior. Are they still in the league? That was last year. That was last year's dunk contest. 2022, Obi Toppin. We got the better Toppin that year. He didn't even. Oh, uh, Juan Toscano Anderson, Jalen Green, Cole Anthony. I mean, I've at least heard of a couple of those guys. 2021, Anthony Simons. That's a pretty good player, but not a star. No. Obi Toppin, again. Uh, Cassius Stanley. I don't even know who that is. 2020, Derek Jones Jr. won it. <laughs> not a great player. Aaron Gordon, good, not great. Okay, right? but good he, dunker. He's a hell of a dunker, and yeah. that's the key there. And I will admit that one contest with him and Zach Levine, that was a good Memorable. That was a good, that was a good one. Dwight Howard, I think, is the last, like, Superstar to compete in the but dunk it was contest. 2020 when he when he faced Aaron Gordon and Derek Jones Jr. It was 2020. He wasn't even good then. He, he was, was on the Lakers. Yeah, he wasn't a star back then. He was Lakers, right? It was like late in his career stardom. So the last like in their prime superstar. I mean, I'm going back, man. Donovan Mitchell won it in 2018. I don't think he was a superstar. Uh, so before we just keep going down the rabbit hole, I will say this. And it was, it, it's getting a lot more sadder. Sorry to yeah. cut you off. I know. It was Giannis, a, before he was good. It was an interesting point brought up by Burns and Gamble yesterday that the new feature event of Skills Day Saturday is the three-point contest. That's and new? they've even introduced areas of the three-point line that are beyond the three-point line. And I wonder if that's the event that all the stars are going to flock to and say, like, yeah, I'm better than you at this. Okay. I can shoot five balls on a rack in the same spot and make them all or is something that add up. I think I'm looking at a list of who's participating in the three-point contest. You okay. tell me if this sounds right. Damian Lillard. Yes. Tyrese Halliburton. Yes. Trey Young. Yes. Donovan Mitchell. That's the correct list. Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns, Jalen Brunson, Laurie Markinen, Malik Beasley. Tell the me. The only exception there is Malik Beasley, but he's a really good three-point shooter. Other than that, that's seven all-star players, yep. current all-star players in their prime. That is a list. Well, how come the dunk contest can't get that? I mean, three-point shooters have a have a level of competitive drive that dunkers don't. Is that, I mean, is that what we're dealing with here? Let me show us where the game is going. And I also wonder if people just don't want to get hurt during this event. Because I mean, think about the game. The game is a it's, it's a nothing, right? The over under for the game I think is at like three sixty two. Oh God. That's a, that's a low. 362. For those that don't know what the over-under is, it's the combined points of both teams. 362. It's a nothing game. Now. Why, why is Grayson Allen not in the three-point contest? I don't know. Somebody, Isn't he shooting like somebody 50% this year from three? Close to. Uh, he's shooting 48.2% from three. Which I think is number one in the I league. I think that's best in the entire league. Did he take enough threes? I mean, he's shooting... He clearly took enough threes to get to almost 50%. He's shooting five of them a game. That's uh, more than Kevin Durant or Devin Booker. Well, no, it's the same, a little less than Devin Booker. More than Kevin Durant is taking. So, we, we tried to tease it as, like, can this be saved? Can the All-Star Weekend be saved? And Not the, the game. The I don't think the game the pessimist The pessimist answer is no. Because, I mean, they've already changed the format of the game multiple times right they're back to east west 
They got rid of the Elam ending, which was they set the score, and once you get to that score, that was that's the, the dumbest the thing I'd ever heard of. I honestly, I came in one day and Mitch was explaining to me what that is, and I was like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of." You didn't let him explain it any further. I it, I didn't understand it. But I think, I'd never heard of it. But I think it also just goes to show that if you didn't know what the Elam ending was, you probably weren't watching the NBA All Star no, game. I was to not. know what the Elam ending is. Nope. Right. And now they brought back the East first West thing, which I like because it gives you something to kind of wrap your brain around. Why are these guys all on one team other than they were drafted by LeBron and Giannis? Yeah. I think after a while when it's just, it just every year it was the same captains. Yeah. It came kind of monotonous. I'd much prefer the camaraderie of the conference because I think that matters. Yeah. And like, let's be honest. That's how we do standings for the postseason. You're going to be playing against these guys in the postseason, I, I think that matters. And I'm glad they brought that back. So but does on, it fix the game? Let's honor the best of the best. I mean, the guys still aren't going to try hard. They're still not going to play defense. They don't want to get hurt, to your point. There's really only one all-star game that remains competitive. And that's baseball. Oh, but I love baseball. baseball. Baseball's all-star game requires so little out of you. It's literally just playing a baseball game. Well, remember, they went through a weird period, too, where they were trying to figure this out. How to keep it competitive. Remember, because they gave the incentive of if you win the All-Star game, you get home field advantage in the World Series. I liked it then. Looking back on it, that was so stupid. I, exactly. <laughs> and you came to the realization I had from day one because I was like, this is dumb. But uh, every league does it. They tinker with these All-Star games to try to give them relevancy. Uh, the NFL, I mean, credit to them. At least they got rid of the game. Because they realized, like, nobody's going no, to try. No, it's just flag football on, like, a 40-yard field. I, I think that a lot of the stuff they do is kind of, you know, bogus and lame. Like, playing flag football, playing dodgeball, or, like, you know, they're, dropping a ball from a from a drone and seeing if Patrick Peterson can catch it from, taking, like, 800 feet or whatever. They're taking wedge shots on an Orlando <laughs> golf course right. as part of All-Star Weekend. It's so dumb. Yeah, that, that, that checked me out. I was like, you know, I'm, uh, I can't do this. But it's at like, least they realized our game is stupid. And no one's trying. Let's get rid of it. I wonder if the NBA does the same thing eventually. I will say there was one event that I liked during Pro Bowl weekend. They had all the centers do like a snapping competition. And there were different circles on like a back wall that were worth different amounts of points. And it was kind of interesting trying to watch these dudes hike a ball into like an upper right corner shot for like a five time score or whatever. I'll tell you one thing this weekend. I'm not going to tune into the dunk contest. I would rather watch the dunks that are going to be in the all-star game. Instead of but watching the, Matt McClung. But then it's like, I have to watch the All-Star game, and I don't really want to do that. I'm still going to watch either way I go. I'm guilty. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You get your guilty pleasure, Trev. I will just... You can uh, fill me in after. Does that sound good? I got you covered. Let, right. us, let well, us know if Book Cliff wins the MVP of the game. Coming up next, he says that Corbin Carroll will go down as the best Diamondback ever. Wow. Really? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Ferelvis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This guy will ultimately be the best player to ever put on a Diamondbacks uniform. Ooh. Gonzo on Wolf and Luke two days ago. I'll play that again. This guy will ultimately be the best player to ever put on a Diamondbacks uniform. Who is this guy? Steve Zinsmeister talking about Corbin Carroll. It's a very high praise coming from maybe one of the most recognized Diamondbacks in the A guy who history. has his own claim potentially to being one of the best Diamondbacks of all time. Probably yeah. not my number one, but certainly Gonzo has the number one moment.
in Diamondbacks history. Easily. So I don't want to take Gonzo fully out of context. Here's what he was saying when talking with Wolf and Luke this week. He's been here since day one where they've allowed them to come to the ballpark. <laughs> He's here early. Um, late in the afternoon, all the guys were gone, and he was still here. I walked in and uh, asked him what he was still doing here because, you know, it's been a long day. And he said, just trying to get better. And I kind of scratched my head, and I walked out, and I said, if this guy's trying to get better, he he couldn't get any better than what he did last year. So, I mean, it just kind of it goes to show you how valuable he is to this team. Um, this guy will ultimately be the best player to ever put on a Diamondbacks uniform. And you just listen to that, and you wonder, or really, I don't know if you wonder at all. You don't think about it all that much. You don't really question it that much, do you? Um, the best ever thing? My initial reaction is it's pretty tough to beat Randy. Randy sure. Johnson came in already a well-established player. He was 35 when he showed up in Arizona. Like He, had, he was already on track for like a Hall of Fame caliber career. Mm-hmm. And then... He won four Cy Youngs in a row from ages 35 through 38. Can you emphasize that again? Four Cy Youngs in a row. At how old? 35 to 38. That's absurd. And then leaves to go to the Yankees and eventually comes back and reunites with Arizona. Granted, a lesser player at that point in his career, but he's 44 years old by that time. to a division win in 07, right? So if you want to talk about longevity... Randy Johnson, for his career, he came up at age 24. He was not some 18-year-old in the major leagues. He came up at 24 and played 22 seasons. It's crazy. He won four Cy Youngs in a row. He won a fifth uh, earlier in his career in Seattle. Um, Just as a Diamondback, that's the best player of all time. Now, if you want to have the position player versus pitcher conversation... I think that's probably more likely one that Corbin Carroll can weasel his way into. Here's a conversation I would like to have, though. Not necessarily position player versus pitcher, but guy who spends what we project to be his entire career here versus somebody who came in as a final piece, a missing piece, a massive addition to the team, right? Like, by the time Randy was here, as you said, he was already projected to essentially he was a great be, player. He was on his way to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, probably. By the time Randy got here, he was on his way. He was probably going to get there. It helped the way he performed and excelled, not just at the age that he did, but the things that he did while he was here in purple and teal and in Sedona red. Corbin, it's different. Like this is this is our guy. He is ours. He's going to be here up until 2030 at the latest. Right? Like, this is a guy that can ingrain himself in this community, with this organization, this fan base. And he could, to Gonzo's point, go down as the greatest Diamondback to ever wear the uniform. So I think he could surpass Randy in only a couple of ways. One would have to be massive, massive longevity. Mm -hmm. Like playing 15 to 20 years as a Diamondback. Which yeah. is a lot to ask of any player because, as we know, not many guys get that opportunity to play for one team for their whole career. He's what twenty two. He's right now currently twenty three years old. So he had his age twenty two season last year, a five war season. Or sorry, uh, five point four war last year. So he would need ten or eleven of those to be in the same category as Randy Johnson in total. And what's to say that's not doable? Because it feels like the game that is played today 
is very much tailored to the successes for Corbin Carroll. Like, the bases are bigger. He stole over 50 bags last year. 54. He's got enough pop to get it over the fence at least 25 times. Did it 25. He can get on base with ease, and he will make you earn that throw out to first on a ground ball. Like, there's a lot about Corbin Carroll's game that's built for now and is only going to adapt if this game has to change again in the future. And to Gonzo's point, it's kind of scary to think about, but Corbin can get better. A lot better. I, I, don't, I don't know how much better. I mean, you hit 285, on base 362, you know, slugging percentage is 500. This is a great, great player. Won Rookie of the Year. He was fifth in MVP voting last year. But think about it this way. It's so hard to win MVP. Mm-hmm. You're not just competing with other outfielders like you would be for a gold glove or a silver slugger. You're not just competing with, you know, guys your age like you are with rookie of the year. You're talking about being better than every single position player. And some pitchers work their way into that conversation too. A la Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, stuff like that. Um, I, can Corbin Carroll be the best player in baseball for multiple years and surpass Randy Johnson? It's, it, it would be very, very tough in my opinion for him to be the best player ever. But if you want to have that conversation about best position player in D-backs history, it comes down to two guys. It's Paul Goldschmidt and it's Luis Gonzalez, the guy who made this comment to begin with. Uh, I think Gonzo had one unbelievable season, and I'm not trying to take away from the rest of his career. He was a very, very good player for a long, long time. Um, But if you're talking about Diamondbacks specifically, uh, I think Goldie probably has that top spot right now in my mind. They're both great, but... Here's the thing. I ran this by our uh, D-backs insider, Alex Weiner, yesterday. Mm-hmm. said, do you think Corbin could surpass Goldie? And he goes, well, yeah, unless Goldie comes back. Oh. And I had not even thought about that as a possibility because Paul Goldschmidt is 35. He's going to be 36 this season, I believe. Yeah, he's already 36 years old, so he'll be 36 this season. And, I mean, you've got Christian Walker, but I think he's a free agent coming up soon. You know who else is, though? Paul Goldschmidt. Is there a chance for a late in his career reuniting with Paul Goldschmidt? I, I wouldn't put it out of the question. I'm not saying it's a, it's a likely thing. It's not. Look, he's playing at a high enough level that it's actually entertainable. Like the The reason that they traded Goldschmidt in the first place was because they feared exactly what had happened the prior decade. Somebody hits 32, 33 years old, and the career goes kersplat. Paul Goldschmidt won the MVP at age 35. His career did not go kersplat. So I don't think that's actually out of the realm of possibility, but he's probably going to want close to what he was getting paid in St. Louis or maybe somewhere relative to that. Whereas with Christian Walker, you're getting the same production, and you probably don't need to pay nearly as much. So if money's a concern... They have Walker. Money's always a concern. If you want the sentimental return, then yeah, Goldie is very much in the cards. But with that notwithstanding, Corbin Carroll, I mean, he can certainly work his way into that conversation. Goldie, as a Diamondback, hit 297, on base 398, an OPS of uh, OPS plus of 930. I mean, this guy was insane as a Diamondback. And so to even work your way into the conversation with a guy like that, will take so much in terms of what Corbin can do. But to your point, with the stolen bases, with the runs scored, and the lineup is improving, as we've seen in this offseason, Corbin's in as good a place as any to work his way into that big-picture conversation about greatest Diamondbacks of all time. Is it early? Way too early to talk about it. But here we are. 
because of Luis Gonzalez and what he had to say on Wolf and Luke. It's funny, too. I think about the two most recent faces of the Diamondbacks, if we're doing it as Corbin Carroll and Paul Goldschmidt. Rather mundane. What do you mean? Just personality-wise. Oh, they're not rah-rah guys. They're just, you know, they go out there, they have their lunch pail, they do their job, and then they go home. I saw Cor- something. Th- now, to defend them, they do have personality. Yeah. But you got to tap it. On paper, it's like, oh, ho-hum. Paul Goldschmidt. Ho-hum. Corbin Carroll. It's kind of funny. I saw some uh, quote from Nolan Arenado this week uh, talking to the media about they wanted more veterans in the clubhouse and like, you know, not so many young guys or whatever. And he was trying to backtrack a little bit. And I was like, you have Paul Goldschmidt and yourself, a platinum Glover at third base. You know what else they have is they have a head coach who's younger than both of them. Yeah, true. Well, and he made the point that he and uh, Goldie are not vocal leaders. No, they're not. They're more like just visual. See what I do on the field, and uh-huh. that speaks for itself. But it's an interesting conversation that that Gonzo started, and I, he's always—I'll give Gonzo credit for this. He's always the guy to give other people credit when he deserves to be put in that same conversation, hundred percent. And then you think about the way Gonzo talks about Corbin, and then you think about DeAndre Aiden in terms of—I'd rather not. It's like it's like the stark. <laughs> it's like the stark opposite in terms of yeah. what you would have wanted about your. Maybe Aiton needed a Gonzo type guy around Who is him. Who his Gonzo? I, well, or he didn't. Would he have been his Gonzo. Clearly, didn't have one, but or maybe he didn't. Didn't utilize it. I, I don't know. I would think Tom Chambers would be a good one. Yeah, just to be around him a little bit. Coming up next, did the Suns take the Milwaukee Bucks too lightly in the twenty-one finals? Former player says, "Well." We'll let him tell you next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. It's the part of the show where we get to all the other stories that we wanted to touch on. And when a former son says things about what could have been, you perk your ears up a little bit, Steve. The name, the huh, I can't talk. Does the name Mikel Bridges ring a bell? I'm familiar. I remember him. So he was a guest of the Roommates show, which is a podcast that is hosted by Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart, who they were both roommates of Villanova, obviously teammates with Mikel Bridges at Nova. So Mikel was a guest and. Um, Suns fans, I hope you're sitting down when you listen to this, but Mikhail said they took the Bucks a little too lightly in 2021. And I remember going up 2-0, so we was good. I was like, oh, we about to win the chip, because look, especially in the West, especially then, like, the West all had tough teams. East, we were like, East really, like, whatever, you know? We go see Milwaukee, we over here like... Like it's light, it's the East, it's Milwaukee. I know they got Giannis, and obviously they got Hoopers, but I'm like, the West is tougher than the East. We're like, mm-hmm. we good. Go up 2-0, we're there like, exactly. This is what we've been talking about. Like, it's the East, bro. Like, we're about to win this. And they ran off four. Great. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. No, I, couldn't, I, I actually couldn't believe it. A uh, little head of their skis. Unfortunately. So uh, there's two ways to look at this from my perspective. Uh, did you look past 
or underestimate the team of the Bucks, or was it in context solely of the fact that they were up 2-0 in the series? I think it's the latter. I think it's the fact they were up 2-0 that he talks about, as opposed to um, under uh, underestimating the Bucks in general. Because you've got the two-time defending MVP, who also won rookie, uh, Defensive Player of the Year the year before. So the Bucks, I mean, there's no way they looked over at the other bench and said that's a that's not a good team. Mm-hmm. They knew the Bucks were a great team. They had incredible records. They were third in the East, which, yeah, the East wasn't quite as top heavy as the West that year. Remember, the Suns and the Jazz had the top two seeds, um, in in reverse order. But I mean, it's not like you didn't know the Bucks were amazing. By the way, how does Mike Budenholzer not have a job right now in the NBA? Huh? Given how the Bucks are playing right now, I'm kind of with you on that. Um, it's just hard to hear it directly from them. I mean, we and all you know start, what happened. And then you start to wonder, okay, well, who was the adult in the room telling them, don't think like this, take them seriously, darn it. Did they have that? They did have Chris Paul. Like, did anybody tell them, like, hey, let's not behave this way? We haven't won anything ever. So do you mean from a coach's perspective, because that would have been Monty Williams, or do you mean from a player's perspective? Because Any sort of it. the veterans in the locker room at the time, Chris Paul who had his own struggles in the postseason. Jay Crowder. That was Chris Paul's first ever trip to the NBA Finals. Sure. Ever. It's just crazy. It was almost everybody's first trip. I mean, outside of Jay Crowder, who had gone. But more so for Paul, only because he had played for so long and gotten so close so many times. You... I guess you would have thought that they wouldn't be overlooking them and taking the moment for granted. The thing is, though, we all knew they overlooked them after they were up 2-0. Oh, like, sure. it, it's, all, it's evident. Everything Mikel Bridges just said is not a surprise. Yeah. We all knew that happened. We watched it happen on the court. But to hear him finally say it out loud and for it to come from that guy, probably the most upbeat and positive piece of that team, that's what makes it interesting. How about some positive Suns news then to pivot? Uh, Do you see that Walter Davis is the finalist for the next crop of uh, Naismith Hall of Famers? Is he? Yeah. Wow. So it would be cool to see him uh, inducted. That would be cool. He's a finalist along with, I think I saw Vince Carter is in that group. Chauncey Where do you stand on Vince Carter? As a Hall of Famer. I think he's probably in because of longevity. We talked about it in the uh, newsroom. I remember his peak peak. And then after that, it was role player. Goodness. Yeah. Right. Isn't the only guy to play in like three different decades? Four. Four four different decades. Played in the 90s, the thousands, the tens. And then when COVID happened in 2020, that was his last Barely played in the 20s, but but it counts. counts. Uh, Chauncey Billups, Michael Cooper, Bo Ryan, and Charles Smith are the other finalists. Chauncey, I think yes, because if I'm remembering right, he's near the top of the assists all time. I have to think Walter Davis gets in. I wonder if Michael Cooper, that's a a nod to what you were to the Showtime Lakers. Yeah, that one's hard for me. It helps that he was a Laker. It helps. Can we just be honest about that? Other than that, there's no one that really stands out in terms of the finalists. I think Chauncey's the surest thing to me. Okay. In my opinion. And then maybe I'll go to Vince Carter after that. I could buy that. Um, By the way, if you're trying to get yourself a pair of uh, book ones, uh, they sold out like two minutes into the 8 a.m. hour. I want the orange ones. Uh, Devin Booker at All-Star Weekend. This is courtesy of Dwayne Rankin with AZ Central. Ask because they have advertisements plastered everywhere around Indianapolis right now. So he was asked about getting all this publicity right now. Too excited about it. Uh, 
Nike just told me the shoe sold out in two or three minutes, I think. I didn't get a pair. Next time, there's another color coming soon, <laughs> so I'll tell you that. But uh, it's kind of surreal to see, you know, the billboards, especially the one that's um, on the Hyatt place. You know, it's a, it's a full thing, so um, it's a special time for me and my family and just being a part of the brand, being a part of Nike. And, you know, my favorite part of the shoe, the performance aspect is, you know, it's a classic shoe, but all the performance is in the inside. So, you know, I modeled it after a lot of my vintage cars. The biggest thing I took away from that was there's another color coming soon. Who was it that that yelled in the background? I, think, I didn't get a pair. No, I think that was the reporter. Is that Dwayne? <laughs> the question. No, 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 no. Oh. It wasn't Dwayne asking the question. Apollo. Somebody else in the Somebody crowd. Somebody else asked the question. I would have done that. And then also said, I didn't get my pair. I would have been like, Dev, hook me up. <laughs> I know you can make it happen. Help it play out. Yeah. Uh, I know. Got an extra pair lying around? Surely they have some lying around. That's right? what I would have said. Hey, uh, Oh, we'll close with this. Did you see the story from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne that the Warriors called and asked about LeBron James in a trade? Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. Well, first of all, the Lakers seemed like maybe kind of open to it. And then LeBron was like, no. So it's interesting that LeBron is the one who kind of put the kibosh on all that. Because wow. at his point in his career, I don't I don't think necessarily him teaming up with other stars is what he's interested in. I think he's legitimately trying to stay in L.A. until he can team up with his kid. Well, so it's funny. I think that's all he cares about. I heard what I thought was the perfect take from Bill Simmons, who said that this is a double win for the Lakers, this getting out. Because it shows that, hey, we gave you an opportunity to leave, yeah, and you said no. Right. But then doubly so, you've now thrown the Warriors into chaos. Or like, I mean, they're already kind of in it. That's just it. They finally turned it around. They're looking good. But wait, you guys were trying to get LeBron? What would that have meant for me? I just think with all the crap we give Kevin Durant for teaming up with Steph, imagine if LeBron did it. All right, that's going to do it for Arizona Sports Saturday. Thanks so much for tuning in today. For my co-host Mitch Varellis, for Trevor Henry behind the glass, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday.